Parshas Noach, the world of nothing. When it comes to the subject of the Mabul, one of the first things that we must understand is that the Great Flood had more than one purpose. The truth is that when HaKadosh Baruch Hu does anything, he has many objectives in mind. Like the grass said in Divrei Eliyahu, Shabbos. When it comes to mitzvahs, in case one reason doesn't apply, don't think that the mitzvah no longer applies to you because HaKadosh Baruch Hu has other reasons that do apply. And just like the word of Hashem in the Torah has more than one reason, Hashem's word in history is no different. Hashem's mind is big enough to have reasons upon reasons upon reasons, objectives layered upon other objectives. And therefore, if Hashem brought such a big destruction upon the world, there is no question that he had in mind a number of intentions. Now immediately, even superficially, we understand that the Mabul was a way of getting rid of sinful people. And the earth became corrupt before Hashem. And the earth became filled with violence. And therefore Hashem said, Behold, I am going to destroy them with the earth. Noach. There was wrongdoing in the world. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu did what he does constantly. He sanitized the world. It's like forest fires. Everyone knows that sometimes large conflagrations burn through forests and thousands of trees are destroyed. And although it seems to be a destruction, actually... It's a great benefit for the world because sometimes when the trees grow old, even though they might appear tall and majestic, many of them are infested with fungi and bacteria. They become nests of contagion. And all across the forest, there are sick trees that are spreading disease and decay to other trees and plants. And so when HaKadosh Baruch Hu sees that the danger has become too widespread and unrelenting, he sends a bolt of lightning to ignite a forest fire that levels the whole forest to the ground. And now the forest is sanitized. The bacteria and the fungi are burned out, and the forest floor is pure and clean again. There's no forest anymore, but in miraculous fashion the seeds of the trees survive, and now they begin to grow again. And the plants that grow now, the new trees, are healthy. They don't have this infection anymore. That's one of the purposes of the forest fires. The devastation is actually a cleansing. It's a new beginning. And the sanitized soil will now produce new trees and are pure from any disease. And so certainly, we can say that the Mabul was a forest fire of water. HaKadosh Baruch Hu was purifying the world from the wicked people. He washed away a civilization that had grown tall and strong, but was also infected with the disease of wicked and decadent behavior. And when he saw the rot that was spreading from family to family, from village to village, and city to city, the time finally came to make an end to it all, to send the flood of destruction, to wipe it all away, and thereby sanitize the world. But actually, there's a big question here. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu could have sent a worldwide epidemic to wipe out all of the human beings from the face of the earth, and he could have left the world intact. Certainly, There are epidemics that can travel quickly from person to person, from one family to another family, and from city to city, killing everyone in its path. HaKadosh Baruch Hu could have punished the Dora Mabul, the generation of the flood, with a pandemic. 
And just like the rot of society had spread from person to person, mida keneged mida, a disease would be sent by HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and the world would be punished in the same manner. And that way, it could have been a sickness that wouldn't affect the animals. Why destroy the beasts after all? Many species of animals were wiped out at that time. Some of the great animals of antiquity didn't survive the massive catastrophes that accompanied the flood. The dinosaurs were all destroyed then. That's why you find masses of dinosaur bones jammed together in certain places as if they were buried together. Other ancient animals too. In Siberia, there are huge graveyards filled with thousands of mastodon skeletons. Now it's certain that they didn't come and decide to bury themselves together. It's not like a cemetery where every person has to apply for a plot. Such a thing could only be due to a big catastrophe that engulfed them suddenly. And even the species that survived on the Teva. But for every male and female animal that was saved, there were thousands and thousands that were wiped out. Not only the animals went lost, even the earth itself was obliterated. Don't forget that very many of the plants and trees were ripped away. Fruit orchards and wheat fields and barley and rice paddies. Everything went lost. The seeds were left floating in the water and later they were able to grow again. But there was a great destruction. No question about that. No more fields and forests. No more houses. No towns or cities. Everything disappeared. Now that's difficult to understand. Why was it necessary to sanitize the world of anything other than the men? It was mankind who were the wrongdoers. The cows and sheep didn't do anything wrong. Why did the earth have to be destroyed? What did the houses and fields and trees do? And it's such a big question that we're forced now to say another reason for the Mabul, a reason that will solve that difficulty as well. To understand the answer to this question, we'll look first at a verse in Koheles. Gam et ha'olam natan belibam. Hashem put the world into the hearts of men. Shlomo HaMelech is teaching us a very important principle here. Hashem put the love of the world into man's hearts. It's a very lovable world. And that's why everybody falls head over heels for the world at first sight. Don't you see that a little child is immediately enthralled with everything around him? You take him to the country, to Monroe, and right away, he's infatuated with the outdoors, the grass, and the trees, and the grasshoppers, and the ants. You can't pull him away. Even the plain street entices him. Remember when you let your little child out onto the sidewalk for the first time? He was cooped up in the house always, and now he's a little older, so you let him play outside for a little while. Now try to get him back inside. You need horses to drag him back into the house. I remember how my sons, one after the other, fell in love with the street. Now what's on the street already? There was no candy on the street, no amusements on the street. There was no joy rides, just a plain street. But it draws him in anyhow. Hashem put the world into man's heart. And it doesn't end when the child grows up. All the days of our lives, Hashem is putting this world into our heart. And that's the plan of Hashem. He wants mankind to love this world because that's the only way Olam Haba will function. It takes an interest in the world if there are going to be houses and roads and doctors and car mechanics and yeshivas and groceries and clothing stores and bridges. 
Bridges don't grow on trees after all. People have to be interested in the world if there's going to be a world. That's why Hashem put the world into the hearts of men. And the door of Mubble, even more than you can imagine, were exceptional in fulfilling that Pasuk. They were busy with everything, building the world that we have now. It was during those early years in the history of the world that mankind gained all of the techniques that we need for our daily lives. And even if we had made very many advances since then, they're built almost completely on the works of the ancients. We are merely midgets standing on the shoulders of giants. They had to learn how to make use of fire, how to cook and bake, and how to make tools. They studied all the plants and trees and fruit in order to develop the science of horticulture and agriculture. They had to learn how to make textiles, too. It's not something you learn, derech agav. It's not even something you learn in one generation. You need hundreds of years of experience, years and years of trial and error. It's not so easy to make clothing. Can you make a baguette? You wouldn't have the faintest idea what to do with a cotton plant or with flax or with the wool on the back of a sheep. You have to take the cotton and the wool and the linen and make it into threads. Then you have to learn how to weave it and make it into a textile. Then you have to learn how to dye and to bleach it. Then you have to learn how to shape it. It's very complicated. How did they sew? They had to invent a needle and scissors. It means they developed methods of making tools for metal. Something like that took hundreds of years of one person's experience. It took years of genius to perfect the art of metallurgy. You have to have the world in your heart if you're going to innovate methods of extracting metals from ore and utilizing those metals. That's one of the reasons that they lived long in those years. HaKadosh Baruch was utilizing their stay in this world to set the stage for the future of mankind. They needed time to accumulate all the information and experience necessary to develop the processes and tools that the world needs in order to function. And so we understand right away that when Hashem made this world a place that entrances man, it was in order that the world should continue to function so that people should be his messengers in building Olam Hazeh for the future generations. And so if it were us, we would say that Koheles means like this. Hashem put the world into the hearts of men so that the world should function forever. But when we look at the end of that Pasuk, we see that Shlomo HaMelech tells us something altogether different. Listen to what the wisest of all men tells us. Gam es ha'olam natan belibam. Why did Hashem put the world into the hearts of men? What was the intention of Hashem when he made such an interesting world? In order that man shouldn't discover the plan of creation that Elohim made from the beginning to the end. You hear that? It's all a trap. The world is a big web waiting to snare you. Of course, HaKadosh Baruch Hu put the world into the minds of men so that they should be busy with it and make it a better world. That's Pashut. But Shlomo HaMelech is telling us a secret here. More important than building the world, HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants you to build yourself. Now I'll explain that. HaKadosh Baruch Hu made an interesting world in order to test you. Again, Gam et HaOlam Natan Belibam. Why did he make man so vulnerable to the sights and sounds of this world? 
in order that man should not discover the work that Elohim made. Hashem intentionally made the world as a trap. Will you get lost in all the interesting things? Will you get so busy with the world that you'll go overboard and forget what the world is really for? And that's what happened in the generations before the Mabul. They built the world, but as they did so, they became distracted and forgot about building themselves. The world was so bewitching, so interesting, that they became Olam Haze people. As their minds filled with this world, more and more, they became so busy with everything that they forgot about their real purpose in this world. Because the only thing that really matters is that you should discover the plan of creation that Elohim made from the beginning to the end. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that's the only subject that should be occupying your mind. Be busy with this world, certainly. But don't ever forget the one who made the world. And that's why the Mabul came upon the world. The word Mabul means that it made everything into Hevel. The Mabul was Mehabel it all. It made everything into nothing. When they looked outside and they saw a blanket of water covering the face of the earth. Noach, it was a great shock. Wherever you looked, nothing and nothing and nothing. Where is everything? The world that was thumping continuously in our hearts. The world we thought about day and night. The world we lived for is nothing now. Ooh, was that a lesson? Before the Mabul, a person's eyes could sweep over the landscape and see trees and gardens and forests and people. And it was all so very interesting. So interesting that they forgot all about the main purpose in life. But now, when Noah and his family, the ones from whom the world would be made again, gazed at the expanse of nothingness on all sides, they said, look, the old generation went wild over trying to get more money. Now they're all wiped out. They were busy raising livestock. They had big herds of sheep and cattle. And now it's all wiped out. Some had beautiful gardens. All wiped out. Many had built beautiful homes, palaces. All wiped out. Some even had kingdoms with power and income as rulers. All gone. People fought with each other over possessions. This one said, this field is mine. The other one said, no, it's mine. And they were busy sometimes for generations fighting with each other. It's all wiped out. Where are your enemies now? All gone. Where are the people that you were jealous of? Gone. Where are the politics, the kings, and the princes? They're all gone. All the enmity, the hostility, the jealousy... The competition, everything was wiped out by the Mabul. All the distractions were gone now. That's why Hashem said, Behold, I am going to destroy the people along with the earth. Noach. Even the earth and everything on it will be washed away in order to teach you the great lesson that everyone must learn if they want to succeed in this world. It's a busy world. And you must live in this busy world. But whatever you do, don't. Get distracted. Don't get lost in the world. Don't forget that it's really nothing. The way you see it now, Hashem said, with everything gone, that's the real truth. The Mabul made it all hevel. Now, so that you should see the truth of Oilam Azeh, 
It's a beautiful place. It's interesting and entrancing and very distracting. But whatever you do, don't forget the one who put you into this world. Now the Mubble didn't come for that generation alone. It's written in the Torah for us to learn how to live. And it's a tremendous lesson. Because we're learning that if we want to avoid a Mubble in our lives, if we don't want to waste our lives the way the Dora Mubble did, we have to avoid the preoccupation with this world and keep our minds busy with everything except what's important in life. That's why when the Mesil Zishadim wants to teach us about those things that prevent a person from achieving his purpose in this world, he tells us in chapter 5 that one of the worst obstacles, actually the worst obstacle for a man's progress in this world is Hatipul Vahatirda Olamis. When people are busy with everything in this world, when a person is preoccupied with the affairs of this world, his thoughts are bound by the chains of burden and it becomes impossible for him to focus on the service of Hashem. We are all so occupied with life. We're so busy living that we forgot about why we're here. What are the important matters of life? When you learn the Chayvus of other Sepharim too, we begin to see that there's a whole world of thinking that's required of us. We are expected to be aware of Hashem always, to recognize His hand in history and in our private lives. We have to constantly be making thinking over our lives. Are we going in the right direction? Am I behaving properly with my wife? How can I improve in this detail or in that detail? Is my davening getting better every day? Or am I wasting my davening just by shaking and saying words? You need a mind that's not busy if you're going to daven properly. You need time to study the Siddur. There is so much to do with our minds, with our thoughts, only the constant obstacle of tipul v'tirda, of busyness with this world, makes it difficult. There are so many things to do in this world. So many happy things. So many other things. That we are just too busy to think. And that, says the Mesil Sishadim, is our greatest problem in life. We have no time and no mind to put sufficient attention on what is really important. Our minds are cluttered with so many things. That the Iker Haikorim, all the facets of Avaitis Hashem, are almost never considered. Test it. Imagine you're sitting with a nice family of from Jews. Let's say it's your family at the Shabbos table. How frequently is that Kodesh Baruch Hu mentioned? I'm not talking brachas or davening. That's a formality. You can't help yourselves. But in the regular conversation, the conversation that reveals what really is important to a person, how often is Avoidus Hashem the focus? Let's say a father and his children, a grandfather and his grandchildren, a husband and wife. When they talk, how frequently does HaKadosh Baruch Hu come into the conversation? I think you'd wait a long time before you hear it. Everything else you talk about, because that's the world that is living in your mind. And meanwhile, the important issues of life are always pushed aside. And we are learning now that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is behind it all. Gam et ha'olam natan belibam. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the one who put the world into the minds of men. And he did it primarily to test us if we'll remember him despite all the things that are going on. 
He did it in order that man shouldn't discover the plan of creation that Elohim made from the beginning to the end. Now we know why so many things happen in this world and why they're happening with such diversity. As soon as you come into this world, you are hit over the head by the sights and sounds of Oilam Ma'azeh. And from then on, you're stuck. All your life, you're busy with the variety of life, with what you see and what you hear. All the experiences of this world fill your mind constantly. The rains and the storms and the winds, the pleasant days, the cold and the heat, summer, winter, and fall, various kinds of simchas, marriage and children and brisim and bar mitzvahs too, all kinds of occasions in history, some good, some not so good. The world is constantly mishanaitim, umechalif, es hazmonim. It's always turning, changing. Something is always doing. Everyone will tell you that it's a very busy world. Your parnasa, your family, your neighbors, your meals, breakfast and supper, all kinds of objects and all kinds of processes, various kinds of fruits and drinks and flowers and places, news happening in our private lives, what's taking place outside on the street right now, this protest and that protest, even what we see of the events in far-off countries, things are taking place all the time that distract us. Many times people are busy thinking about their enemies. That's also part of the world that Hashem put into your mind. People are jealous of others, and a great deal of time is taken up with that too. You'd be surprised how much interest is expended on hostility to fellow men. Women are sitting and talking on the telephone about their daughter-in-law, about their mother-in-law, about their sister-in-law. Ooh, is there busy traffic on the telephones? Everybody is busy with life. Even the most basic foundations of life overwhelm our thoughts. It says in the Gemara and Sota that Chein Makom Al Yoshvav, HaKadosh Baruch who causes people to love their home place. That's how it is. Your neighborhood finds favor in your eyes. Why is that? I'm going to tell you two reasons. Who am I to say two reasons? I'm just guessing two reasons. One reason is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Chofetz Chesed. He wants to make people happy. So he makes them love their place. No matter what street you live on, that street has chen in your eyes. Let's say for some reason you have to be in a certain place and you see a big home on a beautiful tree-lined street. It's so magnificent and you'd like to live in such a home. But then in the evening you come back to your own poor home on your poor little street and you feel that there's nothing like home. Home, sweet home. Chein makom al yoshvav. Your own home, your own street finds a special favor in your eyes because HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to make you happy. But there's another reason. I think it's true. And that is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to involve your mind with your home. Gam eta oilam natan belibam. He wants to put this world into your mind so that you'll be tested while you're alive. That's why people fall in love with their homes. It enters your heart and you become occupied, confused and distracted. There's always something. Maybe we should put a bookcase over here. Maybe we should paint the house or make a bigger porch. We could plant roses in the front garden and make a place for the children to play in the back. Paying the rent or the mortgage is also on your mind. Whatever it is, you're occupied with your environment. Not only your home, your profession too. Kol echad ve'echad yipalo akadosh baruchu umnuso b'fanav. 
Everybody has a trade. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu makes each one like his business. Gemara Brachos. The shoemaker is immersed in the business of repairing shoes. That's his world. And that drives out of his mind all thoughts of anything else. The business man's head is full of business. The plumber is thinking about piping. And the accountant is a numbers man. He's always thinking about how to find legal ways, loopholes not to pay money to the IRS. That's the business of an accountant. He wants to keep his client's money out of the hands of the government, and he becomes very busy with that. Marriage is a distraction, too. When a chassan and kala get married, in the excitement of their preparations and then the wedding itself, they lose sight of the purpose. As soon as they get married, it's as if someone hit them over the head with a club. And now they are entirely unconscious. It takes weeks, even months for them to regain their composure and to realize that now they are married. They have to settle down to the real business of life, having a family and living successfully together in the service of Hashem. And soon afterwards, Baruch Hashem, a child comes and they are hit over the head again. Now there's even more of this world in their minds. Mazel tovs and baby food and baby diapers and more expenses. Later, another child, another club. Every child is a club over the head. All kinds of problems of making a living, paying schar limud and other bills. And then the children grow up and you have to marry them off. And that means more world and more world. Now there's daughters-in-laws and sons-in-laws. And mechutanim, and grandchildren. Could be you have to make visits to Mansi now or to Lakewood. It's a never-ending busyness. And even when you have a little leisure time, you'll find something else to do. And you never have time for yourself. Some people have hobbies that take up their interests. Here's a man who is busy collecting coins. And he has his own private collection of coins. When guests come to his house, he takes out the boxes and shows them that he's a coin collector. Another person is a stamp collector. Another person is interested in photographs. He has pictures of his travels when he was in Europe. He was in Switzerland. When he was in other places too. He takes out his albums. It's a big interest for him. If he doesn't have a hobby, he'll find other things. If you bring the newspaper into your home, it gives you even more things to waste time thinking about. And there are simchas and visits with relatives. Sometimes you have to talk to the neighbor. Some people have a fight with the neighbor. You'll always find something to occupy your mind with. Everything except what's most important. And many people never come out of this confusion. They never break free from living lives of distraction in this world until they're very old and they're close to death. Only when he's on the brink of leaving this world, he looks back and says, Why was I such a fool? Why did I live my whole life distracted by the world that Hashem put into my heart? Why didn't I break free from the shackles of Tipul Vatirda and do something with my life? And therefore, because of that ever-present danger, the Mubble came to teach us the great lesson that it's all Hevel. Like Kohelis is always saying, Havel Havalim Amar Kohelis. It's all nothing. It's nothing built on top of another nothing. It's nothing and nothing and nothing. Now, Kohelis spends so much time on that subject that it's almost surprising. Why is he so busy making nothing out of everything? It's true. 
will admit that some things are hevel. Travel is hevel havalim. All the travel bureaus are trying to sell you hot air. They have no real merchandise to sell. Of course, the movies and the theaters are ten times hevel. The libraries are filled with shelves and shelves of hevel havalim. Romance, hevel havalim. Sports, hevel havalim. Art, hevel havalim. From Jews will agree with such things. At least we'll say it with our mouths. We can't accept such things. But the truth is that when Kohela says, Hakol Hevel, he's not talking only about hobbies and sports and travel and politics and art and music. That's obvious. You don't need Kohelas for that. Any good Jew will tell you that being busy with those distractions means that you're wasting your life. But Kohelas is saying much more than that. He says, Hakol Hevel. He says, Everything is nothing. Everything, our homes, our families, our jobs, our fields, it's all nothing. It sounds too extreme, even to our firm ears. And the answer is that it's not extreme at all. Because anything else means that you're falling into the trap of gam et ha'olam natan blibam, which means that you're missing the entire point of life. Anything that distracts you from discovering the work that Elohim made is Hevel. Because it means you're not succeeding in this world. It's only when you realize that Hakol Hevel. Then you can see that Hakol Hashem. That everything is Hashem. Sof Davar Hakol Nishma. Finally, everything is understood. Et Elohim Yira. Fear Hashem. Ve'ed mitzvotav shemor. And keep his commandments. Because that's everything. Kohelas. That was the Chiddush Gadol of the Mabul. That's what the Mabul came to say. The purpose of the flood was to be Mahabel Kol Inyonei Oilam Hazer. To wipe away everything. And to teach us that the entire Bria is nothing. Everything is nothing. The sky is Hevel Havalim. The earth is Hevel Havalim. Food is Hevel Havalim. Rain is Hevel Havalim. Your house is nothing. Your wife, your children, your job, it's all nothing. The oceans and sunshine and the tremendous forests and wheat fields and barley and cornfields, it's Hakol Hevel. The Mubble is saying that everything is zero. Now, doesn't that sound sad? And melancholy. It sounds like we're being sentenced to a life of Hevel, of nothing. And not only is it sad, but it doesn't make any sense. After all, HaKadosh Baruch Hu put us here, and we're going to be here for a hundred years or so. And if everything is nothing, then what's the point of life? That's why you shouldn't go home yet. I'm not finished. I'm not done yet. Because Akol Hevel is only the beginning. It's only the introduction to the world. And once you learn the Hagdama, if you learn it with the right Perush, you'll have the key to the most successful stay in this world. Because once we learn that Akol Hevel, it brings our mind back to Hashem. They looked out of the window of the Teva, and they saw that there was nothing left except Hashem. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that was the true lesson of the Mabul. Because why did it turn into nothing? Because the one something with a capital S made it nothing. Everything was gone now. And Hashem reigned supreme over all of creation. 
And that was the lesson that Noah and his family were expected to remember as they rebuilt the world. Hashem said, of course, under the water there's still a world waiting for you. And by means of Noah and his family and all the animals that were saved, the world is going to be rebuilt again. But the sight of an empty world is intended as a permanent reminder that I'm the one standing behind the scenes. And as long as you always remember me, as long as you're not distracted by it all, then it's not Hevel. It's me. It's only Hakol Hevel if you're distracted. Then it's one big nothing. But if you realize that it's all the Dvar Hashem, then everything is transformed into reminders of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And therefore, when a person is able to overcome the Havel of this world that distracts him, and he's able to think only about the genuine center of attraction, Hashem Echad, then nothing is Havel anymore. And that's why we say, Shema Yisrael, listen, O Israel, what should you listen to? What's the most important thing? That you have to hear. Hashem Echad. That's the most important thing. To think about Hashem at all times. When you say Hashem Echad, you're not merely saying that he's only one. That he's not like the three-in-one shoe polish of the other religion. Oh no, it's much more than that. One means that he's the only one thing in the world we're thinking about. If you're thinking about anything else... You're thinking about Hevel. Now I understand that there will be opposition to this. If you try to tell people these things, they laugh at you. They'll say it's extreme and that it's not realistic. You have to be a from Jew, they say. You have to daven and you have to learn Torah and do mitzvahs. But to say everything is Hashem and if not, it's Hevel. Only to think about Hashem. Is that a life? And the answer is yes. A resounding yes. That's the best life. The most successful life. The happiest life. Now in the ancient times, people understood this. In the very ancient times, which are our model. We see that when Esav asked Yaakov Avinu, Who are these people who you are with? So Yaakov said, Banai heim asher natan li Elohim. They're the children that Elohim gave to me. These are my children. That's what we would say. Who are they? They're my children. No. It's the children that Elohim gave to me. I knew a tzaddik who said, when I look at my wife, I think of Hashem. He looks at his children, he thinks of Hashem. Where do these beautiful children come from? A ness. He's thinking that. That his child is a ness. Now I'm not saying that people should say that out loud because you certainly will look like a show-off or a fool today. Maybe it pays to be a fool. Could be it pays. Mutav liyos shoyte koliyamim velo liyos rasha lifne hamakom. Mishnah eduyus. It's better to be a lunatic all your life in the eyes of mankind in order that our Kodesh Baruch Hu should approve of you. However, take that advice carefully. It's a recipe for greatness, a prescription. But don't just stam try to be a shoyte. But either way, that's the ideal. To see Hashem everywhere. To see Him in everything. Now I know that when you talk to people who are not Amehaaretz, they'll say they know all about it. Of course. Only Hashem. Nothing else. Of course. Of course. But nobody's doing it, Lamaisa. 
And therefore, we have to talk about it in practice, not just in theory. Because once a person begins to practice this lesson, everything that was once Hevel is suddenly transformed from nothing into Hashem Echad. Those are the words of the Mesilis Yishonim, chapter 1. At first, a person is Mema'es Ba'olam Hazeh. It means he is repulsed by this world. Hakol Hevel, he says, the world is nothing. But then he reminds himself of what the Mabel was teaching, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the only thing worth thinking about. And once he realizes that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is everywhere, and that it's his wish that we should see him everywhere, so he begins to study the world, and the world now becomes important again, but in a different way. Everything reminds him of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And now, it's not Hevel anymore. It's all something. And by means of practicing this lesson again and again, he begins to realize that this world is not something repulsive. To the contrary, he learns to love the world because he sees Hashem everywhere. When he looks out of the window and he sees a tree, he sees Hashem's Bria. It's not Hevel, it's Hashem's tree. Oh, wow, that's a different type of tree already. And when he sees an apple on his table, he doesn't get distracted. He sees a nest that Hashem made. He's thinking about how such a miracle happened from a piece of wood. Something edible grew. It cooked on the tree, and now it's a package of tasty food. It has a little bit of sugar in it, a little bit of sourness. It's just right. And it's wrapped in a beautiful wrapper that protects the fruit, and it's edible too. Look at a piece of bread. Where does the bread on my table come from? He's the one that brings it out of the earth. Oh, so it's not Hevel anymore. For the thinking person, a tree and an apple and a slice of bread are reminders of Hashem Echad. If you're looking at the things themselves, just to enjoy them. So Hakol Hevel. You eat up the food and it turns into manure, that's all. But if you're eating the food for the purpose of reminding yourself about Hashem, then it's the opposite of Hevel. Now those are only a few examples. Actually, the opportunities to take the world of Hevel and transform it into a world of Hashem Echad are endless. You know that when it's raining outside, some people get excited. Look, it's raining, it's thundering. Oh, it's so windy. But that's Hevel. In Goyish, they say, Es regent. It's raining. But we say, Hashem brings down the rain. It doesn't just rain. Hashem makes it rain. It means we're not getting distracted by the rain. Just the opposite. The raindrops remind us about Hashem. As the drops come down, we are expected to look at the rain and marvel at this miracle that is taking place now. Where is this fresh, pure water coming from? Is there a big reservoir somewhere in the sky? No. All of the rain came from below, from the dirty and salt-filled oceans. Only that the heat of the sun distills the water, and it's brought up in the form of pure vapor. And now clouds filled with pure water are created. And then the heavy clouds are transported by Hashem's winds. Mashivaruach. He is the one who blows the clouds over the land, and then he condenses it into water again, and it falls back to the earth where it's needed. And as soon as the water comes down, it starts moving down mountains and hills by the miraculous force of gravity. And it spreads out to wherever it's needed. And whatever is not used makes its way back to the sea. 
all the streams go to the sea. Vehayam enenu male. But the sea is never filled. Koheles. Because as soon as the water comes to the sea, the sun gets busy again. It means that Hashem gets busy once again, lifting up from the sea huge masses of water vapor. It's a tremendous miracle. An assembly line providing water to the earth in a constant cycle. Suddenly the sun is not the sun anymore. The sunshine is not sunshine. The wind is not wind. The clouds are not the clouds. The oceans aren't just oceans. If they are, then they're just Havel, Havalim, Hakol Havel. But now, just because of our minds, everything is transformed from Hakol Havel into Hashem Echad. That's the great test that we're living with in this world. The test of Gam Esa Oilam Natan Belibam. Hashem put the world into our hearts. Everything in this world is percolating within our hearts day and night, day and night. The important things, our family, our friends, Parnassah, and the not-so-important things as well. All kinds of things to do and things to see. All kinds of people to meet and all kinds of circumstances. And one of the purposes for this kaleidoscope of life is to make our minds occupied. It's a test. Will we get caught up in what we see and what we hear? And maybe we'll forget about Hashem? The world is made especially complex in order to make people get lost in the complexity of the world. And the test of life is to be able to overcome the obstacle of hatipul v'hatirda, the confusion of the environment. Because after all, life does have a purpose. It doesn't have to be heaven. And only when a man is able to battle against all the confusions of life and despite all the things that are constantly happening to him, despite all the sights and sounds that constantly present themselves, he's not Masiach Das from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's the man who has succeeded in this world. And because remembering HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the most important thing, it was worth it to bring a mubble upon the world just to teach that lesson forever and ever. The great flood came to destroy everything in order to demonstrate that all the things that people considered important until now are really nothing. What's left in the world? There's nothing left to talk about. Nothing to think about. Only water on all sides. Just desolation. They were sitting in the teva and there was nothing to do except to look out and see nothing. And that way... The progenitors of the newly built world would experience at least once that actually it's only HaKadosh Baruch Hu that belongs in our hearts. And with that understanding, they would rebuild the world again. Have a wonderful Shabbos!